Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. today is Anne M. Martin, a children's book author who is best known, perhaps, for writing the Babysitter's Club series. For millions of millennials who grew up reading about the adventures of Christy, Marianne, Claudia, and Stacy, Anne is a rock star. Anne is also the author of several highly acclaimed other titles, including The Doll People, which is illustrated by Brian Selznick, a Corner of the Universe, which won a Newbery Honor Award in 2003, Rain, Rain, about a fifth-grade girl with autism, and A Dog's Life. David Levithan is also in the studio. As you'll hear, David served as an editor on the Babysitter's Club series. He is also a renowned YA author whose work, as the ALA put it, has given a voice to teens who often feel marginalized. David is the author of several award-winning titles, including Boy Meets Boy, Love is the Higher Law, The Realm of Possibility, and You Know Me Well. Welcome, David and Anne. It's a pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Anne, looking around the studio at all of these books, it appears that you're quite prolific. Tell us how the Babysitter's Club got started. Well, the series was suggested to me by Jean Fywell many, many years ago, 1985. And she had an idea for a four-book miniseries and the title, The Babysitter's Club. So it was up to me to figure out what a babysitter's club might be. And I developed the four original characters, Christy, Claudia, Stacy, and Marianne, and planned to write one book about each of the characters, then it just sort of snowballed. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Four books, and it ended with about 250 books, a TV series, and a feature film? Pretty great. David, when did you enter onto the scene? I started as an intern when I was 19 here at Scholastic, and my first project was Babysitter's Club, and I think it was it was in its... 50s or early 60s book-wise, so it was about halfway through. I, I came on board, and I've been on board ever since, so over 20 years now. Okay. Now, I wondered if Christy were to run for president today, what would be her platform? Well, I think Christy's platform would be pretty much my platform, um, which would involve a lot more money spent on education, environmental causes, animal rights, and gun control. What has surprised you the most about the far-reaching influence of the Babysitter's Club? I would say, um, and David, you can, can chime in here too, but for me, it's the adults that I meet. So many adults now who read the Babysitter's Club books when they were growing up and now are in their 30s, if not approaching 40. And how many of those avid readers, the Babysitter's Club fans, have grown up to be writers, librarians, editors, bloggers, teachers? Um, that's, that's great. It's amazing because at the time, I mean, we, we always said that the Babysitter's Club was reaching a new generation of readers and that they would, the Babysitter's Club was the gateway. 
and what's so fun and writers. And what's so fun is now talking to so many of the writers today. I mean, whether it is Courtney Sullivan, whether it is Jenny Han, John Green read Baby Sears Club, that, that there are so many people who are writing now, and when they go back to what made them really love books, Baby Sears Club was a key ingredient there. And it is, it is awesome to have those conversations, just to be, to be out with a bunch of authors and say, oh, so, so what did you read? And, and Baby Sears Club always, <laughs> always comes up. That really is extraordinary. And Anne, I wondered in turn what series you may have read as a child that influenced you. I was an avid reader. I read everything, but I did read um, the first the Bobsy Twin books and the Nancy Drew books. And also a series that I liked a lot were the books by Carolyn Haywood, the Betsy and Eddie books. Then I also read a lot of other books that maybe could be considered series. I don't know, but I loved the Wizard of Oz books, the Dr. Doolittle books, Mary Poppins, Paddington Bear. And I think pretty much everything I read in turn influenced me as a writer. Which character grew on you the most as you continued with the series and why? Probably Christy. I created Christy first and... So I feel very protective of mm -hmm. her, and I'm quite fond of her. She's also my alter ego. Christy is the one um, with all the big ideas, and she's very loud and out there, and I'm very shy, and I was definitely more Marianne. But, so I think Christy was my favorite one to write about. On the subject of fans and fan letters, now Lena Dunham is another person who has contacted you. Is that right about the Babysitter's Club? I knew that Lena Dunham was a fan, and also Courtney Sullivan, who ended up writing a piece about the Babysitter's Club for Lenny Letter. And Courtney Sullivan is also a fellow Smithy. We both went to Smith College. And so that there were nice connections there all around. The series, as it evolved, what sorts of, for lack of a better term, issues did you take on? Well, there were all sorts of issues. We, and I'm not sure that when, when David and I were thinking about the books, we necessarily thought of them as issues, but there were books about divorce, death of a grandparent, and also death of a pet, diabetes, autism. There was a book in which Jesse babysits for a child who's hearing impaired and, and learns American Sign Language. But they, they were important to us to write about. We were trying to create a series that would appeal to a wide range of kids. And, you know, most kids have know a child who has autism or is hearing impaired. And so we wanted the books to be able to speak to a wide range of kids. And how did you come up with ideas? Or Some of them were things that were personally interesting to me. Uh -huh. I had done some work with children who were autistic. I was, for whatever reason, interested in American Sign Language. Sometimes ideas were suggested to us by readers. Marianne and the Memory Garden came about because we'd been hearing from kids who wanted books about two different things. One was a book about the death of a peer, which we thought was interesting. And the other was a book about the hazards of drunk driving. So we combined those ideas into Marianne and the Memory Garden, which is about the death of one of their classmates in a drunk driving accident and how the kids pull pull together and and work it out. David, what are some of the favorite themes or stories and plots that you remember working on? I think it was, in the context of everything that had come before, I think what was interesting is 
Stony Brook is so much more a realistic world than most of the quote realistic fiction unquote at the time was. And I think, I think what was interesting is something that now seems to us so basic, like talking about divorce, was was really there were a lot of people like, oh, the, the parents are divorced. Oh, you're really going to go there which was important because at the time, yes, there were so many kids living like that and they weren't seeing themselves reflected in books at all. And I think that was what was so amazing was to see the outpouring of that. So I think on, on just that basic level of things that were happening to so many kids that just they were talked about so openly was pretty amazing. I'm sure that is reflective of why it's so popular. It's just this really does seem like such a groundbreaking series in all of the issues it takes on and all of the different types of kids. And now it's been reimagined by Raina Telgemeier. Yes. And tell us about that process. Well, that was fun. I should let you start, David. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what is so extraordinary about the Babysitter's Club graphic novels is that we we found Raina Telgemeier because she was a huge fan of the Babysitter's Club. And we were talking about earlier about how the next generation of writers was inspired. I mean, Raina is one of the writers who was inspired by the Babysitter's Club. And so when we were looking about how to bring a new generation to the stories, graphic novels were absolutely something we wanted to do. And then we, we saw Raina's stuff and thought, oh, she'd be perfect for Babysitter's Club, and then had the first conversation with Raina and discovered the reason for this was because the Babysitter's Club was a huge influence on her work. And so it was a perfect pairing. Wow. That's great. And I'm also interested in the process of writing. I mean, you were an editor at the time that you started this, right? I had been. I had <laughs> just left my last editorial job and when I started writing The Babysitter's Club. What was that like <laughs> sitting in a room writing this? <laughs> well, I shudder to think. <laughs> of course, I had no idea what it was going to be. And the writing schedule wasn't as hectic in the beginning. So it was it was great. It was great fun. And who knew what it was going to turn into? In fact, I didn't have any particular hopes for it beyond the four books. I think it was maybe more daunting for my parents than it was for me that I was going to quit my job and write <laughs> full time. They kept my mother kept saying to me, well, what do you what do we tell people that you do? And she gave me a button that read, I just wander from room to room. Um, <laughs> And it took about a year or two after the first book was published before it really caught on. And then it was just amazing. And I did have to adjust my writing schedule because eventually the Babysitter's Club books and then also the Little Sister books were being published at the rate of one a month. And it was clear eventually that I wasn't going to be able to write 24 books a year. But I had to be very disciplined. And that was... That was a good lesson for a writer, you know, writing to deadlines and being uh -huh. on time, and having schedules. Did you start like every morning at the same time or right yeah. at night or what was your um, pattern? I, I've always been an early riser, so mm -hmm. I would get up early and start writing early. And when I was working on so many Babysitter's Club books, I think I tended to write all day. Eventually, when I had a more normal schedule, mm -hmm. um, I would still get up early and write in the morning, but uh, the afternoons were reserved for other things, uh, reading galleys or answering mail. When you first started to hear from the fans, that must have been a re remarkable feeling. It was. Tell it was us. wonderful. I mean, in the very beginning, I saved all the mail, and then finally it literally became a fire hazard, and I had to figure <laughs> out <laughs> something else to do with it. But as far as I know, every 
letter, every letter that had a return address on it over the years has been answered. And now I hear from fans probably more through Facebook. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That's great. There should be a museum with all the letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. And, David, where you were sitting in the office editing at the time, or what were you doing during these years, in the early years? I started as an intern, um, and immediately any possible babysitting experience I had had was was mined immediately. <laughs> it's sort of like fresh blood. Like, okay. <laughs> Bethany Buck was editing the series at the time, and then um, I took over from Bethany. And just, again, it, it was not what I was expecting to do. Um, when I went into publishing, I didn't think, oh, being paid to think like a 13-year-old girl. Perfect. <laughs> put that on my resume. And yet, that that is exactly what happened. And we would just do all the fun things. I mean, not only did we see all the mail that came in um, and see all the reactions, but for the actual books, we would have to do the cover copy and concept, the illustrations, which oftentimes the most important decisions were choosing what Claudia had to wear. Uh, my my personal favorite and the thing that just I knew that there was never going any going back as an editor was uh, number 65, Stacy's Big Crush. And we would just bat about taglines all the time. And, and I came up with, he's smart, he's handsome, he's 22. Ooh. And yes, and that that I was very proud of myself for that. Is that a self-portrait? Um, no, that, that was older <laughs> than I was at the time. Okay. Uh, it, was, it was me, yes, it was me, it was me probably crushing on him uh, just as much. That's wonderful. Um, yes, an older <laughs> man. Let's hear the jacket copy. You want to? Well, I, I, <laughs> I want to hear the blurb. I will not read the whole thing. Wes is her substitute teacher, so my favorite part is, but Stacy can tell that Wes is paying extra attention to her, and it's not because she's raising her hand with all the right answers. Ooh. Well, well, well. <laughs> what was amazing is it was very easy to to get into the to the world of the babysitters. Um, one of the first things that I had to do was to compile the the complete guide to the babysitters club, which meant reading every single book to get every single fact. Who had earrings? Which ear? How many? What kind of what size bed is in this room? Um, all of the facts of this world. And and what was amazing is you could sort of draw it all out. And, and it was such a real world. We always talk about the phrase world building in terms of fantasy worlds, but this is such a great example of world building in our world that, boy, the readers felt that Stony Brook was real and that these characters were real, and it was because over time you really got to know them. And yeah. that was, I was sort of late to the family, but I caught up, um, <laughs> and, then, and then it was just really fun to see all the possibilities and to, again, know that there were readers out there that were being empowered by these books and we're finding themselves in the books and we're feeling less alone because of these books because this was pre-internet this was back when we only had 13 channels and there was something so extraordinary for all of these readers about reading a babysitter's club book which is something they already cared about and then suddenly it was talking about something that spoke directly to them and we still see the reverberations of that today oh that's that's so great just in terms of what is in the mind of a 13-year-old girl, does anybody want to take a stab at that? <laughs> well, I think there are definitely some universal things, mm -hmm. which are probably first and foremost friendship and anything to do with your peers and, and also family. Um, Pets play an important role, too. Um, although I guess you could make an argument that's part of family. But I think it's absolutely friendship. Um, and the notion of the, the people who are close to you are your friends at that age. And that's so important. 
Right, and the breaking away from the family or establishing one's self and independence right. really seems huge here. Yes. You know, it's yeah. great. And Claudia, tell us about Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia was, I guess, the third babysitter that I created. I think I tackled Christy and Marianne first. But there's a little bit of me in Claudia, too. Claudia is um, the artistic one, mm -hmm. and I um, art and needlework and... Um, card making. Those are all important things to me now, and they were when I was a kid. Claudia's fashion sense, I have no idea. I'm no fashion plate myself, <laughs> but I had great fun going through catalogs and looking at characters on television and seeing what they were wearing and translating that to Claudia. She was just a lot of fun to write about. And the learning disabilities came from my sister who has dyslexia. Uh -huh. And then now with Claudia being reimagined by Raina, tell our listeners about her wardrobe now. I think Raina has great fun with Claudia <laughs> yeah. too. Um, yeah, jewelry, shoes, accessories. Yeah, you can go pretty far with Claudia. And I, I do think Raina has fun. Well, and, and, and the, the brilliant thing about it is that Claudia can actually wear the same exact clothes she wore in 1986 and they're totally right, fashionable yeah, yeah. and totally enviable <laughs> for the readers today. It's sort of, it's so out there that it's sort of hip. That's pretty great. All right. Um, now tell us, you, why don't you choose a passage here to read from the first book, uh, okay. Christie's Great Idea, and we'll see the genesis of the series. Okay, this is in um, the beginning of the second chapter in the book when Christy has just had her idea for starting the babysitters club and she's now sitting down to think about it and make some notes and then it was time to think about the babysitters club I smoothed out a fresh piece of paper and started making a list one members me Marianne Claudia who else two advertising flyers telephone newspaper Three, set up meeting times when clients can call to line up sitters, where to meet. Four, weekly dues for expenses. My idea was that Marianne and Claudia and I would form a club and do babysitting. We would tell people, our clients, that at certain times during the week we could all be reached at one number. We would hold our meetings during those times. That way, when someone needed a sitter, he or she could make one phone call and reach three different people. One of us would be available for sure. Of course, people could call us individually at other times, but the beauty of the meetings would be the opportunity to reach several babysitters at once. Our clients wouldn't have to go through what mom had just gone through at dinner. We would have to advertise ourselves, I decided. I was hoping Claudia would help us make up some flyers to stick in the mailboxes in our neighborhood. She'd be able to draw something really cute on our ads. I looked at my watch. It was a quarter to nine, 15 more minutes before I was supposed to signal Marianne. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. I think it's kind of funny that one of the first gigs is with two dogs. Yes. Uh, could you tell us about that? Tell our listeners about that. Well, they have a little trouble lining up um, <laughs> jobs in the very beginning. Not everybody wants uh, a 12-year-old babysitting, and they don't have a reputation in their neighborhood yet. So one of the first calls that comes in is to sit for two dogs, and they're so desperate that um, Christy agrees to take the job. Did <laughs> you have pets growing up? I had, yes, but no dogs. Oh, I didn't okay. have my first dog until I was an adult, but we had many, many cats and then a lot of, a lot of smaller pets. You said that you did have a bit of an artistic flair when you were a kid. I was artistic. 
Not in the way my father is, though, although I'm sure my interest in art comes from my dad. He's retired now. In fact, he just turned 91. But he was a cartoonist for The New Yorker and other magazines. And one of the most fun things that we did was when he illustrated Super Special Number 6. He loves illustrating New York City, and Super Special Number 6 takes place in New York. So he got to draw all sorts of his favorite landmarks in the city. Oh, that's lovely. What was it like having a dad be a cartoonist? Now, that's not an occupation that makes its way into the babysitter's <laughs> No, club, well, that's true. No, it was a lot of fun. We grew up meeting other New Yorker cartoonists. We met George Booth and Charles Adams and got to go to meetings and dinners and things with the cartoonists. And yeah, it was great fun. Oh, wow. Are the Tuesdays the day that your dad would go in with the cartoons to sell them? You know, apparently they are now, or they may have broken it down younger and older, but dad um, usually went in on Wednesdays. Okay. Yes. And what does he think of Roz Chest? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, illustrators. oh yeah. Well, Roz and my dad are good friends. They call each other, and I'm really not sure why, Nancy and Sluggo. They just met up in the offices? They met in the friendly. offices, yeah. Roz is just about my age, and they hit it off, and Okay. It just became really good friends. My gosh. Well, have you read her book about her elderly parents? Loved it. We actually read it for my book club. Couldn't put it down. And then Roz very, very kindly signed um, a book for dad. Oh, that's that's so special. And what about your babysitting experiences with your pal? (laughs) My my pal, Beth, who was Christy. We did a lot of babysitting. I would say that what I got most from my babysitting experience was not necessarily specific incidents to include in the book, although there are a couple, but more the idea of what might happen when parents first leave, how the kids react, how to calm a crying child, how to entertain a kid, more general things. It's pretty cool that really that theme is they get to be adults. They get to practice being adults, which is great. Are you a little surprised at the rates kids are getting these days for babysitting? (laughs) I just, I was reading something this morning, not a kid's book, but fiction and the mother in the book mentions that they have to shell out $18 an hour for a babysitter. Yeah. It's pretty pricey. It is very, oh. truly is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're 30 years on the babysitters club and what are your reflections today? I'm still awed by all of the very loyal and passionate fans who are, um, as I said, approaching 40, but still not only recall the books very fondly, but are now recommending them to their own kids, their their children, their students, and to see what amazing professions everybody has gone into. Yeah, that's pretty great, considering there was no internet, right, when you started? Right. yes. <laughs> no Instagram. You also wrote several noteworthy books in addition to the Babysitter's Club over the years. You want to tell us about some of your favorites? Sure. Not too long after the Babysitter's Club ended, which was in 2000, I published a book called A Corner of the Universe, which is, I think, probably my favorite book because it's the most personal of the books that I've written. It's about the relationship between a young girl and her uncle, who she's just met. And he is mentally challenged and that how their relationship grows and so I that and it was based very loosely on my own uncle but I I never met him I've written three books now featuring dogs which have been great fun for me 
And the last one I also like particularly, it's called Rain Rain, and it's the relationship between a young girl who's on the autism spectrum and her dog, who is her emotional connection to the world. Yeah, that's great. That's Thank great. You. And David, what are your thoughts about this? Boy, we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, what, what is extraordinary is, is how the Babysitter's Club now exists on two levels, that it is, there are the fans um, who are still very loyal and very inspired by it. But what's been incredible to see with both the graphic novels and with the traditional novels in ebook or still in print is to see a new generation reading them, that, that we still meet eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds who just, who feel it's their own. I mean, which is really quite a trick to do, to, to make them feel that something that is 30 years old is still talking directly to them and that the characters are exactly who is in their lives. And I think it's really been wonderful to see how it is in some ways very timeless and that it will just keep going on from generation to generation. That also speaks to Scholastic's message about the power of books and reading yes. and how you can change the world. And Anne, I know that you've been so dedicated yourself to getting books into many children's hands. Could you tell us about why that's so important to you and some of the initiatives you've had? First of all, I think it's important just because books are, I think, the pathway to just, well, to so many things, to using your imagination, to... Um, to finding out about different kinds of people, cultures, times, um, to being able to lose yourself in a story if you need to or even if you just want to. And so in 1990, several friends and I established the Lisa Libraries in memory of a publishing colleague. And it's a, it's a very simple premise. We collect new or unused children's books from publishers, editors, uh, agents, authors, and collect them at a small warehouse space that we have in Kingston, New York, and we sort the books into small libraries that can be given away to underserved organizations mm -hmm. for children. Or individually, we do this pretty often to kids who are uh, in the foster care system so that kids can have books of their own to take home. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge your fan club here in the studio, and I would like to turn things over to them a little bit and see Absolutely. if anybody has a question I haven't asked. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. I know you get asked a lot about where would the babysitters be now, 30 years later, but I'm more curious about, do you, are there any storylines that you wish had been included in the original series back when they were kids? Oh, wow. So, are there any storylines you wish had been included? babysitters in space. Um, We've reached that point. I don't really feel that there were any that we wanted desperately to tell and felt that we couldn't yeah. tell. You know, I guess there were certain things that we felt might not be appropriate for eight-year-olds, but... I did make you take out that satanic sacrifice, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to put that back in. Stacy's um, first kill. It was really... <laughs> Well, because, um, yeah, I really I genuinely can't remember a single time where we thought, oh, we can't do that. Right. Yeah. If you were to write one more book now, what would this oh, storyline entail? Oh. And I left her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <He's> signed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I could tell you the one thing that I would have 
changed if we had known what was, well, no, we couldn't change it. But the one thing I did change when we started to write Main Street um, was to set the stories in real time so that the characters aged as the series progressed. But we weren't able to do that with Babysitter's Club. Um, did you enjoy the Babysitter's Club feature film? Oh, yeah. The feature film was great. That was wonderful fun um, to work on. I was loosely involved in casting. I didn't write the script for it, but I saw the script through all of its um, changes and um, and then got to go to California for a few days to watch the filming, so it was very exciting. Many thanks to Babysitter's Club author Anne M. Martin and her trusty editor, David Levithan, for joining us in the studio today. And congratulations to them on the 30th anniversary of the Babysitter's Club. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. Special thanks to producer Megan K. Safer, sound mixer and editor Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.